Beyond the Fence Line, a podcast brought to you by the Texas Agricultural Land Trust. Created by landowners for landowners, we're proud to play a role in conserving the Texas legacy of wide open spaces. Hi, I'm Hannah Blankenship, TALT's Stewardship Manager. Each conservation easement at TALT is tailored to meet each individual landowner's unique wishes. This may be to utilize the property for farming or livestock production, or to delineate a specific area for future building. I work to ensure these requests are upheld through annual monitoring. It is important to have support from individuals like you to continue our work here at TALT. If you haven't already, please donate to us today at www.txaglandtrust.org support. Well, welcome to our next episode of Beyond the Fence Line. Uh, I'm excited about this episode. Uh, it's really a, this episode is really about a, a week of all things grazing. It's a recap of the National Grazing Lands Conference. And uh, I was fortunate enough to, to have a couple other TALT members join me in Myrtle Beach. Of um, Jacqueline Roberts, our Director of Communication and Strategic Partnerships, as well as Brad File our Gulf Coast Regional Steward. So Brad, Jacqueline, I'm glad you guys uh, joined us. Yeah, hey Chad. How you doing Chad? It's great to be on here with y'all and I'm, I'm excited to talk about what, we, what we've been doing the last month or so. Great, thanks thanks, guys for joining us. And uh, I, I, I think the audience is gonna enjoy this conversation of, of you know, just even last week highlights, but also kind of the, a year-end review of kind of everything we've done this this past year. It's been a great year for TALT and uh, really excited about 2022 as well. So, you know, maybe I'll kind of just start it off and, and maybe talk about the National Grazing Land Coalition and the importance of that coalition and for TALT and what it means to our landowners across the nation. Um, you know, historically, um, when we think about the the National Grazing Land Coalition. It's a it's a grassroots organization made up of ranchers um, from across the nation. It started actually in 1991 when a group of ranchers kind of started looking at the, you know, I, I would say look at the what was going on in the country and said, hey, we need to get organized. And they met in Bozeman, Montana. And a really a lot of this came about really from the 1985 Farm Bill. Um, when we kind of think back and we think of that Farm Bill, that, that Farm Bill was really focused around cropland and, and farming and highly erodible land and things of that nature. So what our ranchers across the nation were seeing was that their technical staff or those technical assistants, uh, folks that were helping them uh, make better decisions and on their operation, um, mainly with the partnership of the Soil Conservation Service, which is now the Natural Resource Conservation Service, those guys were being detailed and moved to, to other areas. And so they started looking around and their help that was there um, wasn't there anymore. And so they met in Bozeman to, to really come together about how do, we, how do we work together? How do we get more technical assistance on the ground to help you know, empower producers? Um, to be better operators, um, really focused around the grazing management. When we think about today, when we think about 
you know, the National Grazing Land Coalition, um, it, it's amazing. We're 30, 30 years old, that, that organization, and a lot has happened over the years um, with that organization. I've been very fortunate to, to be the chairman of that group for the last nine years, and uh, it's definitely family uh, to me. And, um, and Brad, I mean, your mom, uh, Pat's been part of that board even way before my time and um, just a lot of, a lot of great, um, a lot of great folks. Yes, sir. She's been heavily involved almost since the inception of GLC and, and um, she's, she dedicated a lot of time and effort to it, but received a, a equal amounts or more value out of being involved with it. And I, I think that's the case with anybody that gets involved with GLC, the, the amount of value that's received out of it's just incredible. Well, and I love too that it's, uh, you know, National Grazing Land Coalition is so producer focused. And so there's so many, you're, I mean, you have a lot of, of, of leaders, but there's, it's, you're bringing together people from across the entire nation too. So it's not so regional. I mean, you, you start, it's an opportunity to have conversations that you don't normally have, um, you know, day to day, year to year when you're talking with your peers. So it's a great opportunity to bring those, bring those folks together too. Yeah, I think that's a good point, Jacqueline. And I think another side of, right, is there's, it's kind of an umbrella component, right? So we have the National Grazing Land Coalition and then, you know, we have state coalitions and Texas Grazing Land Coalition is very strong and that starts getting, you know, more to the local areas. And, and Texas is very unique when you look at across the nation and the structure of their grazing coalition is that there's, um, you know, 10 plus local coalitions. So it even gets closer, you know, further down to that local um, need. And we especially think about the diversity um, of Texas from East, East Texas all the way to the West. I mean, we just have a lot of different ecosystems. Um, principles are all the same that, that the ranchers are needing and the, and the need of technical assistance and, and good science-based information is still there but the way we operate just because of those ecosystems are a little bit different. And so I think that's important is really about the network as Brad mentioned and being able to, you know, to visit with neighbors and visit with folks and, and, and learn together. Definitely. Yeah. And I think there was a lot of that going on this week too. Um, I mean, I know some of the big takeaways, you know, for me, it's just, um, looking on the horizon at some of the questions people have that they're, they're, they're looking for answers for and how we've evolved so much um, in our grazing practices and our research. And from a communications perspective, a big piece to me was how, um, was paying attention to how some of these messages are getting out and how we're becoming more creative and um, in, in sharing these stories and uh, information with, with others uh, down the line. Definitely. The, the the networking side of it, going back to what you're talking about there, you know, across the nation, work. I work with the with the local GLC, the the Gulf Coast GLC group there, um, kind of based around the Victoria area, um, with several producers up and down the Gulf region, and, and that network has been, you know, just a great group of guys and a, a great peer group that you know, been very beneficial to that local producer community there. They they work closely with Soil and Water Conservation District, but then RCS on, you know, putting together workshops and, and um, even just, you know, one-on-one -on -one interactions and sharing what they've, they've been doing, sharing their successes in the area. 
and even showing, you know, some failures and, and learning experiences that they've been through, um, you know, this GLC group is, is usually on the front end of science and innovation that's coming down in agriculture and, and they're trying a lot of stuff and they're seeing the good and the bad that comes along with it and, and um, you know, how to modify it to make it work for your environment. And, and these guys are really open to sharing, you know, their experiences and, and, and how they've went about it and what they've learned from it. So it's been, you know, the, the uh, learning potential from the individual all the way up to the national meetings and seeing what's happening in other states and, and their challenges and how they're, you know, adapting and, and growing their operations around those challenges is, is super interesting to me. Yeah, I think those are good points, Brad. And I think that's some of the benefits from TALT, you know, being involved and being part of this too, right? In that conversation of understanding the stories. But I think more importantly, as you hit, to me is that people are willing to, to talk about the good, the bad and the ugly, right? And, you know, and, and that, that's important because I think a lot of times we only want to hear, hear or discuss the good um, and, and the, the highlights from that side, but we don't really want to share the bad things or the bad experiences and the, um, that aspect. And, and we learn more, you know, from those failures and different things that maybe didn't work in those conversations. And that's what I really like about these conferences is everybody's willing to share all of those things and help one another, you know, and that's, that's the one thing that, you know, I really focused, you know, as chairman is that these conferences, you know, we're, we, we shoot for 85% of the speakers to be producers speaking, right? And uh, I, I think that's really, really important. It makes this, this conference very unique compared to others. No doubt about it. Um, you know, having attended ag-related symposiums and conferences uh, on the local, state, and national level, you know, the, the GLC grazing conference to me is just, there's so much value there and there's so much learning to be had. Just like you were saying, there, there's numerous producers, you know, presenting what they've been doing, what they've been working on, how it's worked. And, and it's covering every spectrum of, you know, grazing operations specifically from, you know, new grazing practices or, um, you know, mineral and soil and, and soil health, and then all the way to the mental health components involved in, you know, the ag community and ag production agriculture in general and the stresses of, of life that come along with this field. Yeah, it's definitely impacts, right? There's a lot of pressures, a lot of responsibility, um, a lot of things out of our hands, right? When you think about the markets and things of that nature, you do all this work and, you know, it's kind of rolling the dice and, and a lot of pressures. And I think that was one, you know, highlight I got and, you know, was that we had a big mental health uh, discussion and, you know, three, three producers kind of sharing their stories and, and, and being able to you know, provide resources and, and know that people are there and how to cope with with um, the stresses of, of being a landowner. Jacqueline, what were some of the highlights that you kind of gained or anything? Yeah, I mean, well, I think I touched on it earlier, but just the, the, the 
the ways that we are looking at new ways to share these messages with folks. And so I think there's a lot of great minds in the room, but if, as for producers, sometimes it's not always feasible to take you know a day, <laughs> a week out of your out of out of uh, the year to go to a conference like this. And so um, it was it was really neat for me to see a lot of. Um, a lot of the ways that we're continuing to share these messages that we're learning this week. And so I know um, with, you know, in all of the sessions I attended, there was actually uh, video producers that were in, um, that were in the rooms recording the sessions. And so the opportunity for, for these to be accessible online in the coming year or so um, for folks to, to gain some of these insights, whether that's, um, you know, on all the topics that Brad was talking about, I know that there's going to be opportunities for that. So that was one of my big takeaways was just from that communication and outreach perspective was how we're, it's, it's not just about the conversation happening that day, but keeping that conversation going on for years to come. Yeah, no, that's great. Brad, any other kind of key things on your end? Definitely. So um, the last, the first couple of days were, were just, you know, groups of talks after groups of talks. And it was so hard to, you would look at a, a schedule and, and you wanted to be in three different rooms at once listening to these conversations. <laughs> but uh, the last day was kind of broke down into very focused, you know, three or four or five very focused um, in-depth discussions on one particular topic. And I got to sit in on the regenerative grazing um, discussion with with uh, understanding agriculture's um, Alan Williams and I've been fascinated with with regenerative ag in general and soil health and you know ever since I was first exposed to it maybe 10 years ago with uh, you know probably it was Jeff Goodwin at the time doing a you know doing a uh, rancher gathering talking about soil health and you know seeing coming from my background in, in land management and, and I ran into a lot of challenges where I didn't understand why I was stuck in my progression of you know trying to produce forage trying to fill in bare ground um, yields on on cropland that you know there was no reason why they were as low as they were and I couldn't get them up with synthetics. I couldn't you know, I couldn't understand why I was stuck in a rut in some places. And and the more I dive into the regenerative and the soil biology and things like that, there's there's just light bulbs clicking left and right of, you know, answers to my questions that I was having at the time and just didn't know where to go. And and that value, that value there is coming from being involved with GLC directly, you know, being involved with with the regenerative ag side, being involved with with um Noble, noble Foundation and, and you know, the, the interaction between all of these groups. So, yeah, super, super interesting conversation there for me personally. Yeah. You know, I think one thing that kind of builds upon what you're saying, Brad, is I think was something that I'm looking forward to in the next five, six years and what comes out is the, the big announcement um, that was made at the conference around the largest, you know, when we think about it from a grazing lands perspective, the largest funded research project that's ever happened and it's a 19 million dollar project really looking at research um, aimed to understanding how farmers and ranchers grazing management decisions impact what you said right the soil health on their grazing lands and then in turn how does that soil health can you know 
positively impact the producer's land and their well-being. And so I'm really excited. We've um, this is funded um, by the the Foundation for Food Ag Research, um, which we've heard from Dr. Lakeisha Odom in past um, podcast and the work that FAR does is, you know, they're the USDA um, foundation and, and the importance of them and this private, private public um, collaborations, uh, Noble Research Institute's the other big funder in this. So what I'm excited about this is it's around um, three regions. So we have um, Dr. Jason Roundtree at Michigan State there's going to be around 20 producers up in that region. Uh, Noble Research uh, Institute's going to have another hub in a region uh, around Oklahoma, Texas, that they're going to have. Um, Dr. Skasta with uh, University of Wyoming. There's going to be another, you know, group of 20 producers, Wyoming, Colorado area, and that's exciting to me to kind of start trying to figure out this metric management and monitoring of these outcomes. And more importantly, how um, you know how the the farmers and ranchers tool you know can develop tools for them to help they you know simplify and accurately measure the outcomes of their of their grazing management um, from you know the soil health as well as the environment and um, and how it impacts them through intentional management. So it's I think that's going to be really exciting to see what comes out of that. Well, and that's something valuable too in a lot of the conversations we've been having internally at TALT um, regarding ecosystem services, Chad, and how you know, there's been challenges in measurements. Um, and, and you know, that's something we're working on and you know, we want to help tackle as well. And so it's exciting to see that there's a lot of research going on that'll help contribute to that body of knowledge. Yeah, most definitely. Right? When we think of the marketplace, right, our, our biggest area and the biggest cost, right, is those verification and measurements. So uh, I, I think this is important in a lot of ways. And um, to your great point. And the timeline on that was, was it, is it, this is a fairly long research project as well, which I think is unique. And it, uh, is it five or six years? Yeah, I think they're, they're commissioned around, yeah, at that time period, yes. So, uh, so I think it's very exciting. And, and I think what's great is that, I mean, they brought in a lot of partners, you know, from Michigan State, Colorado State, University of Wyoming, um, Oregon State, the National Grazing Land Coalition will be a partner of this as well as USDA, ARS and Savory Institute and, and many others. So, you know, it's not, I think that's a, a unique aspect of how this is is set up is it's, it's not, um, you know, it, it's open abroad, right? And trying to bring input. And to me, it's usable science because they have ranchers that are gonna be part of it from the beginning and be part of the whole research project, which I think is important. And I think unfortunately, a lot of our research is done sort of in a, you know, a lot of smart people that they're done. And then, you know, how that process is, it's not really brought out or, or taken to the, to the end user or, you know, uh, land managers till five or six years down the road, which is too late in that process. So uh, it, it, there's going to be a lot of good to come out of this. I always think it's fun too to hear about um, what some of the attendees were saying and things and, and you know, like with, with their thinking. And you heard a lot of support on the ground um, in this regenerative space and in this this research space. And so um, that was also something that was encouraging to me from the, from the week. Uh, just as, as I reflect. 
Brad, any conversations you had with other attendees and feedback? Definitely. Um, you know, there was several of us from Texas. There, there was a large group from Texas in that room. Um, and, and we we tend to kind of cluster up and discuss, you know, because a lot of people you know, but yeah, the, the conversations that, that were, you know, after every every group, and that's that's where that networking of, you know, producers in a room, like it's hard to re ever replace that in a, uh, you know, in a virtual environment. And um, I'm, I'm excited to see those, those meetings back in person and, and the attendance really growing. And my first time, you know, with GLC back in, um, let's see, where was it? Anyway, three years ago, so it's held every three years, and three years ago was my first time to actually get to those meetings. And uh, I'm, I'm glad we got it back in person and we're able to get into those, you know, get into those hallways and talk and network and after the meetings, sit down with people and, and not just, you know, from from our state group, but across the nation. And, and it was interesting to see how many new faces, new, uh, new areas were kind of represented in that room and, and to sit down with, you know, a guy from Idaho that was doing, you know, direct to market um, beef production and, and a guy from South Carolina that's working on the same thing and they're building their networks and, and their groups there and, and learning about, you know, learning about different operations from around the country and, and seeing the, the excitement from these producers, no matter what portion of the field they're in, whether it be, you know, your, your South Texas ranch or your South Carolina, you know, grazing operation, timber operation, farming operation, combined situation, or your, your um, maybe Midwestern producer that has, uh, you know, a, 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 a private property, you know, centralized operation, but utilizes large, you know, state and, and governmental grazing contracts to expand their operations. They're, they're all, you know, all sitting down and, and sharing what they're doing and, and also, you know, talking about what's coming down the line and, and with these ecosystem services and how it can affect their individual operations and the potentials for, you know, utilization of these different service markets, you know, across the nation is just, just great to see the excitement there and, and, you know, the innovation that comes from all those producers sitting down together and, and you sit down with a guy from South Carolina and he'll bring out some points you never thought about from, right. you know, from a South Texas perspective, but man, it, it kind of opens your eyes to the potential out there. Yeah. I, yeah, I think that's, what's exciting about it. It's um, you kind of see light bulbs go off. And I had a lot of really good conversation after some of the, you know, there was a number of sessions around succession planning and things of that nature and, you know, conservation easements being brought up as, as a tool, right, from, from that side and, and conservation and many things. So I had a lot of, you know, conversations within some of those sessions, as well as, you know, in the halls of people asking, wanting to know more information and, you know, being able to kind of you know, help them, you know, connect them to their local experts and conservation easements and, and that side. So a lot of great things that, that came out of the conference for sure. And a lot of benefit from TALT and, and us sharing our story and gaining more stories and how do we 
you know, impact that. And, and, and as you said, Brad, a lot of, it was great to see a lot of, you know, friends um, in Texas. I mean, tech, there was a, a lot of folks from Texas there, which was, was great um, from that side. But I think one thing, that, yeah, go ahead, Jeff. I was gonna say, I think we were uh, recognized, Texas was recognized as having brought some of the uh, most producers to the event um, at one of the banquets. And so I thought that was exciting to be just in a presence of um, a lot of forward thinking and innovative producers that were um, that were there. So it was really yeah. neat. And I think what's great is it was a lot of the Texas attendees, that was their first conference to go to, which was great too. And um, bringing new perspectives and them kind of gaining information. You know, I think one of the things that was great or, or is great is that um, the National Grazing Land Coalition actually recorded each one of those talks. And Brad, you mentioned, you know, the biggest complaint of the conference is that there's too many good talks at the same time, right? There's six concurrent sessions going on. And I think one that that helps take a little bit of pressure of not having to run from, you know, room to room, but also it gives opportunity to the folks that weren't able to to travel to Myrtle Beach, um, to have opportunity to listen to those talks. And, uh, you know, which I think is good. I think another highlight to me, it always is Brad, uh, you know, a mutual friend of ours and, and uh, Rick Machem um, at King Ranch Institute. I know in the past uh, conference, and I think he'll do it again on this conference, you know, he takes a lot of those recordings of those, you know, ranchers telling their story and the good and the bad. And he shares that within the curriculum of the King Ranch Institute um, program, uh, which is, I think is a great, another great way to share the stories and, and uh, bring that information across to others. Well, and yeah, I thought we had, we had one of our own too share their story. Um, Anson Howard was, uh, was, was presented at a session and I got to listen in um, and talking about ecosystem services and, his ranch and some of the grazing practices that he's doing on his on his land to help protect um, carbon and uh, store carbon and, and you know how he's marketing different things and so that was that was one piece that stood out to me too from those producer stories. Yeah, no, I, I think it's a great again, and I just encourage people to go to you know National Grazing Land Coalition and uh, look you know look for those recordings here in the next you know month or so once they get kind of published and pushed out and, and ready and those opportunities because I think there's a lot of good information on for everyone you know maybe you know there's a lot of things that you know we gained last week at the conference that we'll we'll move forward and, and help share those that information back here in Texas but you know I think another thing that I love about this time of year is really sitting back and reflecting you know of the past year and then also forward thinking of, of the next year. And so I want to spend a little bit of time, you know, on this podcast of, of just having conversation around TALT and all the, you know, all the accomplishments this year and the challenges and what we need to do um, coming next year. So any, any thoughts, Jacqueline, on, on your end of kind of some of those highlights of this past year? I think one that comes to mind, especially coming off this, the same tone of this, of this education and learning was, um, was, uh, you know, we're taught kind of exploring new ventures. And so in that ecosystem services space, we talked a lot about, um, you know, that being a theme of regenerative grazing and all of these great practices. And, um, you know, something we've, it's in the, it's in the blood of TALT is that, you know, we can't, 
we're here to keep working lands working. And to do that, these lands have to be profitable. And that was a big theme, um, I think, for us this year. We need more tools. And um, that was something that, that really stood out to me is how we're kind of venturing into that space and looking for um, trying to teach ourselves new ways of, of, of helping these producers. And so um, our work towards in the ecosystem services space this year is one of my, you know, I think one of the big themes that stands out to me um, for TALT and, and where we're going and also, you know, where we've, where we've been this year. No, I, I think you're spot on, right? I mean, economics is a, is a key. And, uh, you know, just because we have easements on properties doesn't mean that everything's, you know, in place, right? There's still a business at the end of the day and we have to find those other mechanisms and other tools that layer in and, and intertwine and stack, right? I mean, we've talked a lot about that this year. Of how do we stack the benefits of conservation easements, ecosystem service markets, and multiple of those market opportunities of carbon, water, biodiversity, and, and start to highlight the value of the land stewardship and all the work that's being done. Well, Brad gets to hear that firsthand too from all the producers that he works with. And, you know, I think about, you know, something, a big, another theme, you know, that I'm proud of that Tulsa's done is connecting with producers and connecting with these landowners. So um, it's, it's a lot of that's outreach. And a big piece of that has been our regional steward program. Um, and, uh, you know, Brad as a regional steward for the Gulf Coast region has really had a lot of important one-on-one -on -one conversations with folks to listen i mean more than anything talk to them but also listen yeah it's been it's been a huge learning curve for me coming out of the the the, the management land management side of things you know i was i was the one looking for you know help and assistance and and, and guidance on things and seeking out you know utilizing nrcs utilizing fsa utilizing any resource I could to advance an operation and try to make it more profitable and try to make it, you know, uh, a, a, a more sustainable. Um, but a, a huge goal of that was keeping the, you know, keeping the land together, keeping the legacy there and, and, and getting that land to the next generation, making it as efficient as possible to transition to the next generation and that, that legacy there for family owned properties. And, you know, now kind of being on the other side of that equation and, and working with TALT and, you know, I get to go sit down with, with small groups and large groups and, and um, a lot of one-on-one -on -one conversations and, and get to hear the other side. Yes. I may go to a meeting and, you know, they think they've had me there to, you know, discuss TALT or, or discuss um, conservation easements and, and gain familiarity to that. But that's just, you know, a, a five or six minute, you know, get up in front of somebody and, and give a, a, a typical overview. But it's the, the conversations after that where I get to, you know, hear what people are needing or what they're looking for or questions they're trying to get answered. And a lot of that lately has been around ecosystem services and, and carbon markets and things like that. And it just, you know, amplifies the need of, of what I believe we're trying to do in talk with the ecosystem service markets is, is that 
that trusted source of knowledge, um, someplace for producers to go and, and gain a better understanding and, and learn about these new tools. Um, that, that's a lot of what I'm hearing from the field right now. Producers, they've all heard about it. They all see the potential value in it. Um, but one, they're either just super hesitant because they don't know who they can trust or believe to, uh, to understand these new, these new tools out there. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's important for us to build, like you mentioned, that trusted hub. And, you know, I, I think we take it just like we do any business of sitting down one-on-one -on -one and understanding the goals and objectives of the family operation. And then, you know, be able to, you know, give the pros and cons of each marketplace and give them information and what key questions they need to ask and, you know, to help them make the best decision. But, you know, I think another thing that I'm super excited about this past year, right, a, a bread and butter and what talks about is is the conservation easement and that tool, and um, you know we're, we're working here to the last you know second. We got five more closings by that we have to get done by the end of the year. In the next couple of weeks, um, you know we're going to have another you know just really great year for us, and I think that's exciting. You know, Brad is is with you and and Ken and Clay and, you know, our other guys on staff is that the engagement side of folks, you know, really looking more at that easement and looking at that tool to, you know, really help keep that uh, legacy and heritage um, down to the next generation. I mean, we have, you know, extremely, you know, high amount of pipeline and, and we got the right people um, to be able to help, to help um, families. And at the end of the year, here at the end of the month, we're going to be close to to me, which is so so exciting. Is we can say that we've we've helped uh, forty families, right? Keep that legacy and heritage um, down to the next generation. And to me, that is so so exciting. Um, and to me, probably our biggest accomplishment to date. Um, when we think about going into twenty twenty two, we're starting our fifteenth year, and there's a lot to be grateful and, and a lot to be blessed in. Um, but we look at the impacts that are that are coming upon and the pressures of landowners of um, land fragmentation and, and population increase. Um, we still have a lot of work ahead of us. Well, and just, you know, I, I agree, um, Chad, and I would just piggyback off what you said and uh, and really emphasize that we're coming on 15 years and, and 40 families in 15 years is that's really you know, we are the largest land trust in Texas and we've done that in such a short time. And it's, um, I think it's just a big accomplishment and something to be celebrated. And um, I'm looking forward to, you know, this coming year being able to help, help really just celebrate the people who helped get us here. Um, you know, I think one, one highlight that comes to mind as well is our uh, 15th anniversary gala that we'll be um, holding later this spring. Yeah, it's going to be a great time and a great opportunity for us all to get together. And, and as you mentioned, you know, highlight the, all the hard work of setting that foundation. And, um, and it was not an easy task. And I uh, appreciate everyone that, that put all that hard work um, and, and saw the need for tall. Well, and the families that trusted us too. I mean, all those, all those folks, they, um, you know, that was a leap of faith and, and, um, and you know, I held that Dear, I take that responsibility very seriously. And it's something, it, it's really rewarding to be able to give back um, to not only the individuals that helped, you know, pave this way for us, but also those families that, that, um, that 
believe in land stewardship and conservation and um, protecting their little piece of Texas. For sure. And I think that that what you just said, Jacqueline, the, the trust factor there, um, that that speaks volumes to, you know, the integrity of Talton and, and, and how it was set up and those who were involved in setting it up and, and you know, how the board is, is put together and, you know, developing that trust with producers for something that's as intimate as a conservation easement is just that that's a that's a huge um, responsibility for talk and and even trickling down to you know my very small part of it you know I, I feel honored to be you know a part of of talk and be involved in those you know those stories and those operations and and I'm looking forward to meeting more of them. I've had, you know, a, a few opportunities to meet some of our partners there, but I'm looking forward to meeting a lot more of them at the Gala coming up and, and hearing more of those stories. Well, any last uh, thoughts or comments from me, either one of you? I'm just glad we, you were able to, we were able to all get together and, and, and share kind of, you know, some of the, some of our takeaways from this week and looking forward to a great year. And um, I know there's a lot of exciting things that are coming down the pipeline. So I just encourage listeners to, um, you know, stay tuned and uh, follow along with us and um, excited, definitely excited for what's to come. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely echo that sentiment. I'm, I'm very, very excited to see what 2022 is bringing. There's, there's so many moving parts here that are, are coming together and, and just new, new avenues, new resources, and, and just super excited to, to learn more about them and, and get involved and bring them you know, bring them back to the local level and bring them in, in front of the producers and, and show them more, more options and more tools that could help progress an operation. Well, thanks guys, um, you know, for helping us kick off this week's podcast and, and also helping uh, host the, you know, wonderful event, the conservation uh, or the Grazing Land uh, Co uh, Coalition's conference in Myrtle Beach last week and appreciate all y'all's help and engagement uh, through that. And, uh, you know, and for our listeners, you know, if you enjoyed this podcast, you know, really be sure to rate and review us um, and look forward to visiting with you next week or next month uh, with some more great content. Content. So everyone have a have a blessed uh, Christmas and uh, and New Year. Thanks, Chad. Thank you, Chad. Beyond the Fence Line is brought to you by the Texas Agricultural Land Trust dedicated to conserving the Texas heritage of agricultural lands, wildlife habitats, and natural resources. Find out more at txaglandtrust.org.